Blue Wire. To the end zone he goes. Where Sammy is. Boyd with a great fake. Touchdown, Taj. Hopkins throws to Boyd. Lean means touchdown throwing machine tonight, and he's got another one. Boyd. Folks, welcome back to the Taj Boy Podcast. Hope your week has been well and hope that you're back on track from your Thanksgiving holiday. The Clemson Tigers are in the ACC championship game and they're playing none other than the UVA Cavaliers. Now, this is UVA's first appearance, I think, in forever. But I felt since they are playing those guys, it would be fitting to get somebody, a distinguished alum, an unbelievable football player that played from that organization. So I decided to bring you guys Thomas Jones, and he was gracious enough to spend some time with me talking about it. Now, Thomas is from Big Stone Gap, Virginia. He currently lives in Hollywood, California, talking about a change of pace. But we tap into that. We go into a little bit more detail about his career because obviously he was an All-American in high school. He was an All-American in college, and he was an All-Pro in football. But not only does he do the football thing, he is bigger than an athlete. He's more than that. He is now a model. He's an actor. He created an app, and he services and helps former football players himself. So I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. I've thoroughly uh, appreciated him being on the show, and uh, can't wait to hear you guys' feedback. Here we go. Well, because, yeah, I mean, you talk about, I mean, essentially one from one extreme to the next. Is, you know, Big Stone Gap, you know, obviously I'm from Virginia. I don't necessarily know where Big Stone Gap is, but from that to Hollywood, what, um, how's that change of pace been for you? Uh, I mean, you know, I left home at 17, you know, I'm 41 years old, man. So, you know, I'm, I'm from VA, man. We, it's just a Southwestern corner. You know, it's, it's a further down, uh, past Roanoke and Abingdon towards Bristol, Virginia. Um, you know, it's just in the Southwest corner. Virginia is a huge state, you know, um, so I'm just on the total opposite end of the state, <clears throat> but you know, same Virginia, um, you know what I mean? Same talented people, you know, um, there's a lot of people coming from VA, man, uh, artists, athletes, a lot of really talented people coming out of our state. So, um, so the transition for me hasn't really been that drastic, you know, um, I left home at 17 and went to UVA and, and played football and I was drafted at 21 and, um, I was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. So I would come to L.A. a lot because I would be in Phoenix. And um, I really didn't like Phoenix at the time. You know, I was young. I was coming out of VA, D.C. area. I wanted to be home next to my friends and, and hanging out. So I'd come to L.A. pretty much every, once a week. So so I've been coming to Los Angeles and Hollywood since the year 2000, literally, literally almost 20 years. Well, and, you know, I started to dig a little bit. And, and obviously, like, I, I know who you are. I know who your brother is. And, you know being from the state of Virginia, that's something that we take pride in. Um, you know, I got, ta- I got a tattooed on me, you know, and uh, I used to go to the gas station and see, you know, the Bruce Smiths and the Terry Kirby's and all of those guys. And, you know, it, it means something and it still does. Um, but you grew up, you know, like you say, in that Southwest corner where it was a little bit different. And, you know, like uh, your mom worked yeah, in the yeah, coal Yeah, my mom worked in the coal mines for 19 years. My dad worked one year, and just just you know, I was a big fan of yours too, man. At Clemson, and uh, you know, and in the NFL, you know, I followed you. I was super proud of you. Anytime we have a Virginia uh, native that's doing well, you know, it's like this weird Virginia uh, in-state pride thing. You know, everyone we see from Virginia is just genuine love, like it's like we already connected. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. Even on my side of Virginia, you know, um, uh, you know, our area is a little bit smaller. Um, 
you know, as far as just the economy is concerned. Coal mining was the biggest industry, and my mother worked underground for 19 years uh, in the coal mines. And uh, my father worked underground for one year and was laid off and, and couldn't get back in to the coal mines. And so he did a bunch of different jobs here and there. Um, so, you know, I have a pretty interesting um, story. Uh, grew up in a, in a big household, you know, seven kids, five sisters, uh, then me and my brother Julius, who uh, went to Notre Dame and, and played in the NFL seven, eight years as well. Um, yeah, when I left there, you know, out of, out of high school um, and went to University of Virginia, um, which was you know, a great move for me because it was only five hours away. So it was right. Oh, no, go ahead. Okay. Then so, um, yeah, it, I mean, that, that my area of Virginia is kind of the lost area. You know, when people hear about my part of the state, they're like, where, you know, when I got to college, everybody was like big stone gap. Where is that? Even people from Virginia, even people from Roanoke, you know, they're about three hours away from us. They, they were like, where is that? What is going on in that area of Virginia? But, you know, there's some really talented people that come out of our area, and we play some really, really good football. There's some great athletes that come out of that area, too. And, you know, to go – I mean, your parents are hardworking. You got a bunch of brothers and sisters. I mean, I, I was sitting there and reading something where your your dad wanted you to learn five new words a day. Or you had to read the front of the newspaper in order to read the sports sections. I mean, what kind of values were instilled in you? Um, at an early age that led to, because I always believe that one person's success Definitely. is often another person's sacrifice, right? And from that standpoint, I mean, what was, what were the things that it implemented and instilled in you at an early age that led to success later on? I, I mean, my, my father was in the Air Force as well. So, um, you know, he had a, a military background and that was, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the values and, uh, you know, um, standards from the military were kind of passed down to me and my sisters and my brother. Um, I mean, basically he, he wanted us and my mom, both of my parents wanted us to be more than just athletes and, and they emphasize education more than anything, even sports to the point where, you know, if, right. if we got a C on our report card, you know, we couldn't play regardless when it was in high school. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, in our mind, you know, football was a reward, basketball track. Those were right. rewards for getting good grades. And he knew just kind of somehow, you know, the stereotypical athlete um, and, and how, you know, um, a lot of athletes, especially African-American athletes that go to college, um, they may not be as knowledgeable about the education side or, um, you know, I mean, just that's just the structure of, of the country. You know, I mean, we, we don't have to get into that, but, you know, right. we all know what that is. And, and they wanted to make sure that, you know, we understood the academics, being a good person, being a smart person. Um, being able to provide for yourself outside of sports was a premium. And so throughout my whole career, well, it, it will, I mean, what, what happens is, you know, when you're, when your dad has you reading this, the front page of the paper, instead of the sports page, after you've had over 400 yards rushing or 300 yards rushing, it just, you know, it really just minimizes um, how important sports are in the grand scheme of things. And, you know, when you're 14, 15 years old and that's kind of your lifestyle, um, that just stuck with me for, you know, the rest of my career and, and even up until now. Yeah. Well, because you, you finished up, you played at Powell High School. Um, yeah, Powell, yeah, Powell Valley. At Powell Valley. And mm -hmm. I think you still you still own a record, I'm assuming, for most rushing yards in the season, right? Some, um, some absurd I, amount. I think so. I had actually uh, my junior year, I believe I rushed for it was um, 3,300 and um, 14 yards or 19 yards 
And then my senior year, I rushed for 3,007 yards. So so I had back-to-back 3,000-yard seasons. And then, um, yeah, I was uh, coming out of high school. I was very highly recruited. I was ranked number two, I think, in running, at running back in the nation. And uh, I committed to Notre Dame. Um, but I changed my mind uh, when I took a visit to Virginia, like literally right after my state championship game. Before Jeez. my visit to Notre Dame, I changed my mind. just felt like home. And then I was able to um, make the – that was the best decision that, that I made because I was able to take advantage of being – from Virginia and the and the, the media that were that had already already followed me in in high school and a lot of the guys on the team were from different parts of Virginia and just all connected and I mean it was just you know it was just it was just a great decision uh, to make so yeah man you know like I said I mean even going to Virginia or Notre Dame I didn't necessarily choose you know some of the other schools that I was interested in because I was looking at some of the academic programs in Notre Dame, some of the academic programs at Virginia. And I was, I was able to graduate in three years at Virginia instead of four right. um, because I took college prep classes in, in high school. So when I went to Virginia, I already had 13, 12, 13 credits already. So I would just load up in the spring classes in the summer school. And then my fourth year as a senior, uh, I was in an education school graduate program. So I'd already graduated. Jeez. And, you know, one of the things I'm a huge, huge fan of is, is culture uh, within team, community, you know, family, the whole bit. And, you know, obviously you guys won two state championships while you were there back to back, I think. And, um, you know, coming from Powell Valley, I mean, there has to be something that, that your teammates uh, believed in, something that your coach believed in that led to that, you know, outside of just the hard work, you know, was there like some sort of philosophy that you guys abided by during that duration of success that you had in high school? Well, we just had a um, rich history of football. I mean, they had won four state championship titles before I was even in high school. So in, in, in our area of Virginia, football is everything. It's literally like Friday Night Lights. I mean, football is every, is everything, man. Sure. I mean, so those small towns, it's football. You know, on Friday nights, I mean, everyone is at the game. Everyone. Um, but you know, we just had a rich tradition of winning there, you know, and, and it was a high standard of winning. And as a kid, you know, everyone wanted to play for the Powell Valley Vikings. That was, you know, a thing. We had a little theme song that they would play on the radio for our school. And, uh, my older sisters were cheerleaders, uh, as well. So, uh, it was just kind of ingrained in you as a kid, like, you know, to be a Powell Valley Viking is everything. And, and by the time I was in high school, they had won a state championship in 1989 and 1990. And in 1990, uh, my brother and I, we were both ball boys. So we would travel with the team and we would, you know, go uh, when they kicked the ball over the, you know, kick field goals, we'd go over and grab the ball over the fence and stuff like that. You know, so, so, you know, we were already kind of a, a part of the program. Um, and then, you know, once you just see the teams ahead of you and, the, you know, they won the state championship, I mean, you're a part of that culture. It's like you want that more than anything. That's like your life goal at that time is, is to win the state championship. So, yeah, when I left there, I mean, all I knew was winning football. I think we won maybe 26, 27 straight games. Um, I mean, we played hard defense. You know, we played tough on offense. You know, I mean, we ate nine in the box every week, and I was still getting average of 35, almost 40 carries a game. All I knew was winning. <laughs> now, were, were you, were you yeah, playing the other I side of the ball, too? on the other side of the ball. I played corner, and I played uh, – uh, rover back. So I'd, I'd played kind of linebacker corner and I'd go to the uh, strong side because we played three, four. So I'd, I'd move around, which helped me on offense because, you know, I understood blitzes and I understood defenses and, and all that. So by the time I would flip back over and I'm on the, on the other side, um, you know, I've, I've already been in the game and I've already hit a couple of people. So, you know, I'm, you know, I'm already ready to play, you know, on offense. So that was, that was definitely beneficial going both ways, offense and defense. 
That's wild, man. Now that's good stuff. I tried to play uh, safety uh, in seven on seven, and that wasn't really cutting it, man. I uh, I was too aggressive, man. It couldn't break down and get in position to make tackles yeah. without trying to big hit somebody. So what's my <laughs> but uh <laughs> I know the feeling man it's it's, it's uh defense is a lot different. You have to have a different yeah. mindset on defense. And um I think that was my mindset as a running back was I kind of played like a defensive player. I was kind of aggressive and, and so that for me it, right. it, it helped because you know like, although I was on offense I kind of played like a defensive player in my mind. So yeah, yeah you delivered the blow instead of receiving it. I can dig that. Well, and you get to UVA, and there's a guy, George Welsh, our head coach, four-time coach of the year. Um, you know, from a recruiting pitch standpoint, I get a lot of kids ask me all the time, like, why you pick a certain place or, or why would you go here as opposed to there? And it's, you know, I know what it was with Coach Winnie for me, but with Welsh, you know, he had had some prior success. Um, you know, obviously he had Tiki right before, you know, you got there and you went on and shattered Tiki Barber's records and, and things of that nature. But, you know, was he was he somebody that made a, a man out of you when you got to college as well? Like, did did you believe that that his coaching uh, expertise and his status and the things that he implemented on a day in and day out um, helped you going forward? Definitely. Not only on the Definitely. field, but off the field uh, as well. One of the main reasons why I went. I mean, they they recruited me very heavily. I committed to Notre Dame um, right after my junior season in the spring. And so I, I always respected Virginia um, just because, you know, I knew it was a good school and, um, you know, I had followed, uh, you know, Terry Kirby's career because Terry Kirby was, 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 you know, an incredible high school player. And a lot of the records that Terry had in high school and broke a lot of his records. So, I, and I was a student of the game, even in high school, you know, I'd look up who these guys were, Terry Kirby and his statistics. And um, so I knew who Terry was and, and, and I knew Virginia at one point, you know, they were number one in the country in football. And, um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I really respected Virginia, but I wasn't even really thinking about going there because, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't really a Virginia fan. Right. I just, you know, I followed the school because of the players and the players. Um, but right before I was supposed to take my visit to Notre Dame at the end of my season, I, just out of respect, I wanted to take a visit to Virginia. So George Wells came to my house and he had come to a couple of my games my senior year. And they just recruited me very heavily, very heavily. I mean, relentless, just nonstop. And he came to my house, drove all the way down and, you know, talked to me and my mom, my dad. And, and uh, he was just honest. You know, he said, hey, you know, we're going to give you every chance you can, you can, you know, to, to, to play as a freshman because, you know, that's what you want to do. Uh, he said, we'll give you your number six. And he said, you know, I know you're going right. to make it to the NFL and you'll have every opportunity to make it to the NFL. You know, we're, we're a strong, uh, disciplined team. We have some great athletes. We're building a program. Um, and it was the year that they had beaten Florida State, which which helped a lot because I kind of saw the direction the program was going in. And they changed right. their uniforms. You know, as you're a kid, you're like looking at uniforms. You look at it. You know, because they had they had white helmets and, and orange pants. And I was like, man, I, I can't even see myself wearing those. They look like practice uniforms. But then they, but then they changed to like the the logo, the Virginia, the with the like the sabers, and and uh, you know they changed the uniforms. Wow, those are pretty dope. And so I took a visit, and uh, Tiki Barber and uh, Rondé and uh, Anthony Poindexter, all three were my hosts, and uh, I just fell in love with it over that two day period. It just felt like home. I felt comfortable. I was talking to other guys from Virginia, you know, other parts of Virginia. Um, they were going to the Peach Bowl to play Georgia. I mean, it just, and I felt like, man, you know, I'm from Virginia, you know, um, it'd be dope to stay home and, and help the home team. 
Um, you know, and so when I came home, I told my, my mom and dad in the right. car, I said, hey, you know what, I think I'm, I'm going to change my mind and go to Virginia. And so when I when I came home, the hardest thing I had to do was, at that time in my life, to be honest, was to call Lou Holtz and tell him that I wasn't coming. Because, I mean, the, the running backs coach Earl Mosley had become a part of our family. He was coming every other week to my games. And I was on the phone with Coach Holtz probably at least once every few weeks. Um, right. And so to tell them that I was decommitting that late in the game was was pretty tough, but like I said, that was the best decision I could have made. And Welsh, Welsh, Welsh was a huge, huge part in that. I mean, well, that's, he, oh, go ahead. you know, he was similar to kind of how my father was, as far as just discipline and mental toughness and just his demeanor. You know, it, um, he was just a very honest person, and that's what I've been used to um, my whole life. And I just really felt connected to him as a coach. And um, and yeah, so you know, to answer your question, well, George Welsh was a huge. Huge reason why uh, I went to Virginia. No, that's awesome, man. And I got, you know, Jim Trussell was, was kind of that to me, um, as far as what your relationship was to Lou Holtz. I mean, I never felt worse in my life than than not telling Trussell because I never told him. I was like, man, like I told him I was coming. You know, everything was set in stone. Terrell Pryor was my host, a guy named Michael Brewster who was the center, and everything was kind of locked in. And man, I got a chance to to spend some time with Coach Sweeney, and it really changed everything for me. So I can still remember on this day, uh, Jim Trussell sending over that that letter of intent um, on signing day and me just faxing over the one signed to Clemson, and I was like, man. And so I ended up running into him a, a few years back at um, in Indy for the Combine, and uh, fortunately he was able to get over that a little bit, man, because it was – you know, at the time I was like, I feel feel so cheap, man. Like I should have just owned yeah. up to it. But it's tough when you're a kid, man, and you know right. you got all these decisions to make and all these opportunities, and you don't want to let somebody down. And um, you know, I got a kid. You know, it's it's I got a kid right now. I've been having conversation with him. He's mm-hmm. trying to figure out what his process looks like. He's committed to a university right now. There's been a bunch of vacancies that opened up, obviously, with some of these premier college football yeah. teams and. He's like, I don't know if this coach is staying or leaving, but I got an opportunity to go take a visit and spend some time with another university. I'm like, man, all I can say is, is obviously the idea is to go play ball at the highest level. But if you can see yourself and envision yourself, no, you're right. You, you're right. It helps that he has to you school there itself been and through it. Be the right place for you, you know. Altogether, uh, so. I mean, every part of it to guide him, um, because that that definitely helps a lot when you can have you know experienced people that are giving you information and, and, and advice. Um, because although, you know, my dad was was very instrumental, uh, you know, he, he had never been through that process before. So um, it's one thing to make a decision to go to a school. It's another thing to decommit. And, you know, that's, you know, that's that's pretty stressful. I, ask, I actually asked him, could he do it? He said, no, it's like you right. have to do it yourself. And, uh, so I appreciate him for that because, you know, 17 years old, you know, having to call, you know, not just Lou Holtz, but <laughs> running backs coach. And, of course, they're pleading and like, no, you know, listen, you know, this relationship and you know we got a great class coming in and uh you know i mean we already have you know this set up and that set up and we see you as this and you'll play with next to autry denson and blah 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 and it's just you know and, and that stuff is enticing i mean you're talking about you know notre dame is telling you hey you know we're gonna roll out the red carpet for you and versus virginia where where you know virginia's right. known more as an academic school um, you know, Notre Dame's on TV every week. They're on NBC every week. I mean, home games and their away games, they're tele- nationally televised. I mean, it's national exposure. Um, so for me to tell them no at that age uh, was 
was was pretty big for me. But like I said, I mean, that was just the best decision I've ever made. I feel I'm, I'm just grateful that I made that decision and, um, and everything worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because obviously you're instrumental in, in even UVA's success today, man. And, you know, I spent a little time with Al Groh, um, and his staff when I went. And uh, I think at the time Matt Shaw was still quarterbacking. So it was kind of one of those deals. Mm-hmm. But, man, I was I was so excited. Uh, to see Bryce Perkins yeah. perform at the level he did and to see these guys rally uh, around Bronco Mendenhall and his philosophy going forward too. So there's no, you know, there's, there's no mistake that UVA is playing in the ACC championship game. And f- at this point, you know, yeah. just still being a homer and a hometown guy, you know, I would love for these guys to continue to sustain yeah. that, sustain that success um, because of how long that you, Virginia Tech had, I haven't had, had a chance to those go guys. back so, to a game. Um, I, I think, think it's a lot going forward. Do you get a chance to go back any at all yourself? In 2007 against the Colts, I went back that season, um, right when I was traded to the Jets. I think I had a bye week, and I went back. Um, it might have been at the end of the season. I think they, they may have played Virginia Tech. And I had a bye week or something. Um, but I haven't had I've haven't, I haven't had a chance to go back since. I have three younger sisters that graduated from UVA. So I've been back for for, for them, you know, their graduations, and then two of them have gotten married. Uh one of them got married at UVA as well in Orange yeah. Campus. So I was back for that. So I've been back a few times, um, but I haven't been back to an actual game. Um I've just been busy in the fall where I haven't had a chance to, to get back. But I'd definitely love to to get back and, and, and I, I agree, you know, what Bronco's doing there is incredible. Yeah. You know, Bryce Perkins and the team, I mean, just to see them, you know, after all those years lose to Virginia Tech, I mean, that's obviously Virginia Tech is our biggest rival. And, you know, it, it was it was brutal. You know, I mean, social media, you know, you get destroyed every every year around that time, you know, because it's just I mean, 15 years straight is just I mean, that's that's brutal. That's that's, that's like I mean, that's like uh, I mean, that's. That's crazy. That's crazy. I think we were two and two. Um, you know, my my freshman year we lost at Tech, and then we beat them my sophomore year pretty good at, at home. And then the next year we came back. They were beating us like twenty nine to six at halftime. We came back and beat them thirty six to thirty two. Biggest uh, comeback in school history at at Tech. And then my senior year was Vic's freshman year, and then uh, they beat us. Jeez. You know what? Uh, no one said anything. Did you get the everyone was the locker room looking at each other at like, halftime for that one? I mean, it was twenty nine to six at halftime at Virginia Tech, and Welsh <laughs> George Welsh was just looking at us like, "What the hell are y'all doing?" <laughs> I mean, it was one of the most awkward halftimes I've ever been a part of because he just looked at us. He didn't say anything. <laughs> he, he, he didn't say anything. He just looked, and the rest of the coaches were just waiting for him to say something. He just stood there, just looked at us, and then like walked into the yeah. office there, and then we just all were kind of looking at each other, and it was kind of like, "Well, if we're going to do this, it's got to be us." <laughs> and then you know we just started chipping away one play at a time, and and then all of a sudden you know we got some momentum, and next thing you know you know we look up and we we won the game, sure. and it's like it's crazy, crazy, crazy game. Um, but yeah, fifteen years in a row, yeah, for everybody, for everybody, it was crazy. <laughs> wine, wine and cheese for everybody, huh? <laughs> all right, so bro, like obviously you have, obviously you in as a pro as one of the most prolific running backs. In the history of the conference, thank and, you. Thank you bro. and we know that because you know you. First off, congratulations, man! I know you just got you know got nominated for the twenty twenty class in the Hall of Fame, pro football, and <laughs> damn, you know I, you know I, I had a couple of coffee with the Jets and the Steelers, man. So I still, but I still got my lifetime pass at Canton. So hopefully you get that uh, that the bus there, so I can go check it out myself, man. But you know, 
<laughs> the um, the fraternity that and the legacy uh, that you created at, at UVA was pretty special. And then and obviously it continued to lead on um, to your life in the NFL. And we'll, we'll tie back into that here in a little bit. But like, you know, one of the toughest transitions that I had, one of the toughest transitions for a lot of these guys is the moment that football does end. Um, and a lot of it is because it's not because like, you know, you can't do more. It's just, that's all you've ever done, you know? And, you know, for you, you, you got so many things going on right now, man. Obviously you're, you're a model. Just, I mean, your physique is, you're shredded, bro. Um, gotcha. You're an actor. You, <laughs> you're an actor. Um, and I've actually saw you in a lot of these because I, I watched Luke Cage. Obviously, I'm a fan of that. Um, but you, you took it a step further and started a production company. And, you know, it's one thing to be the employee of something, but another to actually be on the front end of that. So was that something that you saw your, that you envisioned for yourself right there? Or was it just kind of a byproduct and it just happened throughout a period of time? I think uh, I've always been an ambitious person and uh, goal oriented. And, and I don't, I've, I've never like saw myself as just an athlete and I attribute that to my mother, my father, or the way I was raised. And, and I've, I always felt as if I put my mind, if I put my mind to something, I can accomplish it. Um, so I've always been interested in things outside of football. And for me, um, I like taking on things that are very challenging. Um, being an actor and having my own production company was definitely not something that I saw at all. Uh, I just kind of fell into it. I started working on this project uh, in Miami and, um, you know, I took a little role in it and producing it as well. And, and it kind of evolved into this whole career now, uh, seven years, six, six, seven years later. Um you know, I, I think, you know, the, the the work ethic it takes to be successful in football um, is something you just can't get rid of and right. it becomes addicting. And so you have to find something that allows you to have that same passion and drive uh, because, you know, unless you actually play, you know, it's, you know, it's pretty, pretty hard to understand how, you know, I mean, serious our game is. It's a very serious right. game. I mean, there's there's high stakes every day. Um, you know, I mean, as a quarterback, you could throw an interception, you could, you know, get strip sacked for a touchdown, you could get hurt. Um, you know, you've got millions of people watching you, you know, on TV and, you know, you, the ball's in your hands, you know, so, so, you know, and the same thing was a running back, you know, I mean, the ball is in my hands, you know, it's fourth and one, you give me the ball. They don't want to hear, well, there was no blocking, get the first down, like regardless. So I think, you know, I just kind of got addicted to that pressure and the high stakes of football. And, and I think that's why, you know, this industry is great for me because, you know, there's high stakes, you know, you're constantly uh, having to be on. When you go on an audition, you have to be on. When you're on set, you have to be on. Um, I have a tech startup company uh, for, my, for a mobile app called Castar. And, you know, there's so much competition in technology and startups and fundraising. So there's just a lot of like high stakes constantly. And and I think this is the only thing that I could have done that could help me meet that um, the challenges, you know, that, uh, that I'm used to meeting and dealing with in, in the NFL. Yeah. No, and that's that's. I mean, because you can't you can't take that out of it. You know, you can't you don't forget how to grind and how to work and, and how to overcome adversity. And, and a lot of, I mean, even you know, for me at least personally, I'm sure it's the same way for you. It's it's rallying from one day to the next, and you know, everything seems good on the surface, but deep down, man, you just gotta. It's always this internal battle that you have, and so the resiliency and the bounce back. I mean, I tie that back to even little league. You know, the things that I go back to. So. 
for me, like I don't look at the past and want to change anything, yeah. but I do reflect a lot. And I look at all the things that I did overcome. And it's like, you know what? That's going to be the thing that continues yeah. to propel me forward. You're right. Well, you have to, like the saying says, you have to know where you where you've uh, where you where you've been and know where you're going, and 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 I've and I, this is the beautiful thing about you know having a football career and how beautiful and, and dope our game is, man. I mean, literally everything that you have to do to be successful in that game, you have to be able to implement in life to be successful. Everything, you know, uh, from from mental toughness, right. discipline to uh, to hard work to you know consistency. Um, I mean, in football, you know, you the first two, three quarters, the, you know, the defense may shut you down. And all of a sudden the fourth quarter, you just boom, you just start clicking. And next thing you know, you know, the game turns into a blowout, uh, you know, without hearing acting, man. I mean, I literally <laughs> I go on auditions and right. I get told no, probably 90% of the time. I mean, I'll go in and, and I'll feel great about an audition. And, wow. and then, you know, when people don't see what we go through during the week to get ready for the game, they just see the game. It's the same thing as an actor. You know, if I have an audition, uh, I have to get a haircut. I have to work with my coach. Then I have to go to the, you know, the studio. Then I have to wait in line and with 10 other actors and all of us are in one room and everyone's saying their lines in their head and some guys are trying to talk to you and you're trying to stay focused, but you don't want to be rude. And then, then you go in and now it's the audition. And, you know, if you mess <laughs> up a line, right? that's what's on tape. So then you leave and it's like, man, you beat yourself up. I wish I would have done this. I should have said it this way. Oh, man, I wish I wouldn't have flubbed that line. Oh, man. So, you know, but you have to be able to get back up and keep going and keep going. And all of a sudden, bam, you book one. So, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the little wins, just like in football, the little wins, you know, two-yard game, three-yard game, four, five, eventually you're going to bust a long run. It's the same mm-hmm. thing here, the same mindset. So that's why I think I'm addicted to this world because it's the only only thing that keeps me in that same mindset that I was in with football. Jeez. I mean, that's pretty heavy, man, the small victories uh, in the day-to-day. And, you know, that, that's kind of, you know, the, the whole idea of this podcast, man, to be completely honest, is to, you know, most of the people that are listening – weren't able to play at the highest level, but they get a chance to perform at the highest level in their particular industry or in their particular lifestyle on a day-to-day basis. And, um, you know, it's the same approach. I mean, I, I do I wholeheartedly believe that the one thing that separates the good from the great is their ability to deal with adversity. And, you know, like I'm, I'm in real estate and, um, you know, for me, like the, the initial thought process going forward when I first started it initially, at least anyways, was, you know, if I don't ask a lot, then I limit the amount of no's that I get, you know? And, and then I was like, you know what, you know, at the end of the day, man, like I'm building rapport and building relationships. And if it's added value, then it's added value. If it doesn't make sense for them, that's fine. But at the same time, like all I can continue to do is continue to build and own my craft because I was able to master football to a certain degree but also should realize that it's going to take a certain amount of time to master this particular craft that I'm in right now. So as long as I continue to do the day to days, man, and, and build it and not just go through the motions, then success is inevitable, you know, and success is different for each individual person. You know, it may not be have a, a $8 million crib in, in Beverly Hills. It might be, you know what? I just want to be able to, to leave a trust for my kid. You know, it, it could be whatever it may be. It may be those persons nailing an interview and and getting back out of a hole that they've been in. You're, but you're exactly for anything, right. you got to enjoy those you know, small you, victories. You're right. the, the difference between good and great is overcoming adversity. That's in anything. I mean, I have the utmost respect for anyone in anyone's profession or job that, 
you know, is passionate about it and comes to work every day and, you know, wants to be great at it. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, people equate money um, right. to success and that's just not true. You know, money's just money, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, you know, success is, is how you feel about your performance and and knowing that you gave your best um, and, and that, you know, you gave yourself the best chance to, to be successful. And that's, and that's in anything. And, you know, I mean, I, I might not end up being the next Denzel Washington, you know, but if I don't, you know, I'm going to be, be the next, you know, Thomas Q. Jones. That's my goal, you know, um, and, and be happy in whatever roles that I book and um, <laughs> right. whatever, you know, feedback that I get that's positive and whoever enjoys my performance. I mean, that's success. That, that's success. That's the definition of success and being happy doing it. Right. You know. Well, and you're already, you know, to me, like, I mean, you're an inspiration, you know what I'm saying? And, and strictly because like, you know, I heard this guy say it's a start that stops most people. So most people won't even attempt to, to create, right. to do, to be, uh, because they're, they fear what hasn't even happened yet. And so for you to continue to take these leaps and these steps, man, like in your life and in this transition, I mean, it is, it is mind boggling to me. Because I'm like, well, how much am I leaving on the table? Because I'm afraid to take that step, you know. I appreciate that, man. And, I, and, and the fact that you have the podcast, and the fact that you're interested in in, in talking to other people and hearing their journeys and, and their stories is inspirational as well. Because it matters. It matters that someone cares about my story. It matters, you know, that someone wants to hear my journey. You know, um, it's the same with me. I'm, I'm inspired by you, same way. Um, and the fact that we're both from Virginia, you right? Know, because you know we're, we're, we know where we're from. We know the odds that are stacked against us. You know, to be able to even have this opportunity to, to talk about our accomplishments and you know, and, and hopefully future accomplishments is is inspiring. So I appreciate it, man. I really do. And you created an app called Caster. Can yeah. you can you explain to me what that is? And, and you know, what's your thought process behind that as well? Okay, well. Uh, when I was moving to LA in 2014 to really pursue acting, I didn't know anyone. I didn't have a manager. I didn't have an agent. Um, I had an agent, but they were they were in New York, and I didn't know anyone in LA in this industry. And so, uh, me and my partner, uh, as my my partner now, Scott Powell, uh, another from another Virginia guy, he's from Stanton, went to James Madison. Mm-hmm. We, we came up with this idea for a mobile app for casting um, because there's a lot of people in LA that are fresh out here. They don't have relationships. They don't know anyone. Um, they don't know how to get started. And, you know, although I had been cast for a few things, I was still in that same space. So we came up with an idea for a mobile app called Castar, where basically uh, it's a free app to download if you're talent in L.A. and you can create a portfolio, you know, so you put your headshots, your pictures, whatever digital content that you have that's showcasing your ability, um, your resume, whatever you've worked on, how, no matter how big or small. And people that are looking for talent in the L.A. area, whether it's for a short film, whether it's for a music video, whether it's for a hairstylist, uh, anything that they're looking for, they can post uh, the gig and the opportunity, how much it pays, the location, and the talent can submit themselves to that gig directly to that person that posted it. And so they can connect that way. So so that's, right. that's uh, Castar. The website is castarapp.com, C-A-S-T-A-R-A-P-P.com. Uh, we have about 5,000 active users on the app right now in the L.A. area. Uh, we have classes for the talent now, acting classes. We have mixers once a month for the talent to kind of mingle and meet each other and network. Um, so it's really a community for creatives is what we, is what we have. It's a 
it's really it's really dope. You know, I'm really excited and proud of it. You know, we 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 uh, came up with the idea in 2014. We launched it last uh, April, and um, it's doing really yeah. well out here in LA. Man, that is awesome. I took um, so I got like a a mentor named Greg Smith, and this guy is you know huge in the VC world. Um, but he he taught a, a class at Clemson, so I was able to audit it, and it was how to start a startup. Because in my mind, I'm a creative. You know, I got so many ideas. I got 50 app ideas, and I actually think. I think one of them has some merit to it. So I'm looking forward to seeing if I can put it in place and, and roll it out. But, you know, one of the things that he was talking about when I was auditing this class, he was like, you know, so many times, like, people try to solve the world's problems, but it's not their problem. He was like, in order to find success in the app, you have to find something that didn't, that you couldn't find, but it makes sense for you. And if it makes sense for you, then nine times out of 10, it makes sense for somebody else as well. And so Caster, I think, is going boom, man. And, and I'm excited for you that space too, because again, man, like the things that you're doing and, and, and the role that you're going in, you know, is literally just the building blocks of what you're doing and it's legacy yeah, to a degree I, I, too. You I know? think I appreciate it. And I, I think, you know, I'm also trying to, you know, inspire, you know, other athletes uh, in general, but especially athletes that are retired that are trying to figure out what they want to do or if they can do something outside of football that, you know, it can be done because it is, it's, it's right. very hard to transition, man. You know, I mean, football is a very uh, consuming job. You know, it, it takes up a lot of your mind, takes up a lot of your, your, your psyche. It, it, I mean, you have to be a specific kind of person to play that game at a certain level. Um, and it's hard to get that out of your system. It's very, really, really hard um, because, you know, it's a very irrational job, man, you know, to, you know, be able to go and physically do whatever you want to someone and uh, be paid and praised for it. Um, and some people don't know how to turn that switch off, right. um, unfortunately. And and if you don't have an outlet or something that, you know, you can kind of, you know, maximize all that leftover energy, then more than likely it's going to turn into something negative. And so, you know, I'm trying to be as inspirational as possible with, with other athletes and, um, you know, football players and you know, people that feel like they can only do one thing because, you know, life's not all about doing one thing. You know, I mean, right. life is about trying everything. It should be anyway. That's my perspective. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and one of the things I need to learn how to do is swim myself, you know. Come on, man. I grew up at the beach and I well, still I'm can't figure it out. Too, so man. we're going to work I'm, on that at some point. My cousin, uh, <laughs> He didn't teach me how to swim. He said, "Jump in and I'll save you." So that's how I learned how to swim, uh, you know. And but that's what I'm saying. Sometimes you just have to take a take a you know leap of faith. And um, a lot of times, man, the results are a lot better than you uh, than you expected. For sure. Now, is there is there like um like growing up or even right now, like is there some sort of motto? Is there some sort of philosophy um, you live by? Yes, I do. It's. Uh, from the uh, Art of War Sun Tzu set, it's uh, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Um, choose one. That's the thing. That's how I live. Um, you're gonna. There's gonna be you know pain in your life. You can't. You can't escape it. You just can't. I mean, that's life. Um, regardless of what the situation is. But uh, I'd much rather, you know, suffer from the pain of discipline than the pain of regret. Because you know, you, you when you, when you can't get something back, you can't do anything about it. And right. so whenever I'm you know, I get some uh, an audition and I have lines that are sent. I don't want to I don't want to study my lines because I'm tired or I don't really like the material or, you know, I think it's like I wouldn't say that, you know, it's like, hey, this could be that one role that catapults you to the next thing. And so anytime I feel that way, same thing with uh, my tech startup, you know, there's, right. you know, a lot of times where he's like, man, you know, um, 
uh, I wish this would happen or I wish that would happen or, you know, I mean, there's always going to be some sort of adversity. But, you know, as soon as something pops up, I automatically think the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. And that immediately puts me right back on track. I might not feel like going to the gym. I'm tired, you know, or it's cold or whatever it may be. As soon as I think of that, it's boom. And that's just a mindset. You know, that's just something that I've just kind of etched in my brain. Um, and it just keeps right. me keeps me grounded and it keeps me going. Well, and it's almost like like you willed it. Like, you know, what you're saying now, like ties back to something I was reading about when I was looking at looking you up. And, you know, like your last because you, you played 12 years in the league. You know, that's a substantial amount of time, first and foremost. But you had pretty much some critics saying, you know, how much tank, how much gas does he have left in the tank? And then you just went out there and had uh, 14 touchdowns in back-to-back years. And that was, that was towards the back end of your career. And, you know, like what, I mean, what went into <laughs> you? Like, you know what I'm saying? Because most guys at that point, they tap out and say, man, I'm just, yeah. I'm, right, right, right. But it's like, you we went into overdrive, so I, I want to understand what your psyche was A lot was of like it was – As you uh, approach those those years and those teams. You know, I was I was the seventh pick overall in the draft, and, and uh, I was used to being successful in high school uh, and, 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 you know, individually and as a team, you know, winning two state championships and, you know, being player of the year in the state two years in a row and, and uh, you know, all the All-American teams and ranked, you know, one or two in the country at running back. And then, you know, you go to college and – you know, you're all ACC two years in a row, first team, and you're you know, consensus All-American first team and, and, you know, all this stuff. You know, I was just so used to being kind of the uh, uh, the guy because of the work that I put in um, that, you know, when I was drafted overall, seven overall by the Arizona Cardinals, and then I went to a team where we were three and 13, and I, I had, I think, 400 yards rushing my rookie year or something like that. I mean, and I was labeled a bust, you know, and, and one of the biggest busts in the first round. Um, you know, I, I had never really experienced that type of, uh, you know, negative, um, you know, outlook on me or my career or my talent. So it was like I literally came, I crash landed. And uh, it wasn't about my humility because I've always been a humble person. It was just you're on a really bad team. You're far away from your family. Uh, you, The fans hate that they drafted you. Uh, your peers, you know, in the first round are like, wow, he sucks. You know, I thought he would be better than that. The team's disappointed with you. It was just, so I think after that experience, um, and once I was able to kind of fight my way through Arizona the first three years, and then I was finally traded to Tampa, I just had a huge chip on my shoulder. And and, and it was more so about pride and um, me being the football player that I'd always been winning football games, being successful, helping my team, being a leader, being respected by my peers. Um, so I just literally carried that attitude through, throughout the rest of my career. And uh, and then also, you know, towards the end, you know, I worked with one of the best running backs coaches in the NFL and NFL history, Jimmy Ray, and um, in 2007 and 2008. And that's when I really, really mm. learned how to be a running back in the later years of my career. I mean, everything else was pretty much just off of instinct and will and discipline, you know, and film study, you know, I was prepared. But I had my best years because I finally learned how to be a running back. What I mean by that is I finally learned to understand fully the blocking scheme, understand fully the difference between, you know, a a 3-4 over and a 3-4 under. And uh, I mean, there was just so many specific things that Jimmy Ray taught me that I had never paid attention to before. And so now I was already ahead of the the game. I was already ahead before I even went in the game. I already knew what guys were going to do, where they were going to be, where they were going to be lined up. So I just had to make the play. Yeah. Man. 
That's pretty special. Yeah, man. Did you ever, I mean, you know, as a kid, I mean, because you're in an elite club, you know, you ran for 10,000 yards. There's only 26 running backs, yeah. I think, that, that's ever done it, um, which is wild because football's been played for a very, very long time, you know. Did you uh, <laughs> did you ever envision yourself doing that as a kid, man? Like, because I know, like, sometimes, you know, you get there and perspectives shift over a period of time, you know, and it's like, why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, um, did, did you ever lose that affinity last, going into my last that year, love for um, the same way you had as a kid? Something just kind of said, Hey, you're done. I mean, it was just, I started playing football at eight years old and I loved, loved every minute of it from the time I was eight years old until that moment where I don't know what it was, but it was just going into my last year. It was like, I mean, you're, you're done. Um, so it was a struggle for me at times in my last season because you know, uh, physically I could still play. I was in great shape, but mentally it was just uh, the 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 passion just wasn't there. And I and it was such a weird feeling because I never ever thought that I would ever be the, feel that way about football. And just the little things just didn't excite me anymore. You know, um, you know, lacing up. You know, get my fresh pair of boots for the season. Right. Um, you know, um, obviously no one's excited about training camp, but. Just, you know, the butterflies that I would get before camp and, you know, it, it just it felt more like work instead of fun, um, you know. Um, but I think, you know, uh, I was fortunate enough to right. make it through my last year and, and not be injured. And, and, and um, you know, it was a tough year. It was an up and down year. We still almost made the playoffs. We were seven and nine. Uh, Todd Haley was the coach. And um, it was tough working with Todd that last year because um, we, we just didn't really click, you know, he kind of had an ego and, and, and he, you know, kind of made it harder for me because he had this philosophy. If you're older, you need to be lighter as a running back. And I played from, you know, I played it, you know, my lowest that I would play would be 219, 220, but going to camp around 225, 230. <laughs> um, but he had me down to 211. Um, and that was my weight. And if I wasn't 211, I would get fined. And so we just started off the season, just not on the same page. And it changed how, how I ran and changed my mindset. And I think that kind of made it worse. Um, so, you know, um, I think if there's one coach or one person I have any kind of leftover re residual yeah. issue with, it's, it's probably him because I felt like I could have gotten more yards if if he wouldn't have taken kind of some, some of the passion of, of the game away from me. Um, but, but you know what? At the end of the day, you know, I, I can't, you know, I mean, I, I would never complain about my career and com complain <laughs> about the experiences I had, uh, the friends that I made, the relationships that I made fans that I was able to, um, you know, put smiles on their face and, and connections that I was able to make with them. Incredible, man. Incredible experience. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, that's, you could take they the game are, away, man, man the with locker the room, locker room I mean, and the relationship that you created. And, and then the being that an older guy at that time that you can. and just seeing these younger yeah, guys come in the league, special. Eric Berry and Javier Arenas and Jamal Charles and just seeing how different, you know, the NFL and just witnessing, like, you're you're now the old head in the locker room where, you know, I remember being a rookie, you know, a second year guy. You know, you see some of these guys come in and they have the shirt tucked in and they're, you know, uh, Aeneas Williams and, and these guys out in Arizona, um, you know, that I would look up to Kwame Lasseter, rest in peace. You know, there were just a lot of guys that were like big brothers. And I see them and I'm this young guy with like, you know, Tim's on and my jeans and. And then, you know, I'm become that guy who wears the same sweatsuit to work every yep. day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And the young guys in the locker and they're rapping and looking at world star hip hop. And I'm like, what is what are y'all doing? Get in your playbook. You know, it was just, <laughs> just it was just it was it was just dope to kind of experience all of that over that 12 year period. 
and like you said, the relationships with the guys and the players and the experiences and games and going to battle with your teammates and no, this is it's just it's an incredible, an incredible experience, man. Well, I'll tell you what, man, like um you know, obviously that Virginia space as we as we talked about, which was the common theme uh, in this conversation was special. Kwame, Kwame, you know, his sister, Tanya, man, um was was really close with my family. So Kwame was the first actual like guy that, that took the time out. And I actually still have his trading card that he signed up for me. Um and so he's a he's a piece of of my fabric and my foundation um because of the time that he spent with me. And so I, I got a chance to reach out to Kwame Jr. And I just let him know, man, that, you know, his, I know his, he lives, you know, his dad lives in him, but he also lives in me too, man. And, you know, when it's all said and done, right. I mean, that's, it does. that's and Kwame the ripple effect that you're able to create by just having conversation, by just giving a handshake Virginia. or a hug, man. He understood. It, it lasts know, forever. So. I came and the problems that I was having and just not being able to adjust and, you know, to, to, to Arizona and just the team and losing. And, um, and I, and honestly, you know, I, he was the only person on the team, um, that I felt understood me and that I could connect with. And, and, you know, he was just such a big brother. You know, I come in the locker room and he'd be sitting in his locker and he just start laughing. He's like, what are you wearing, man? Where, where, where are you coming from the club? Where you, you know, I'm like, oh, man. I mean, it was just funny because I, I never had a big brother. You know, I, I've been a big brother. I've had older sisters and I've been a big brother to my younger <laughs> sister, my brother, but I never had a true big brother. You know, someone that genuinely cared about me outside yeah. of, uh, you know, football or, or, you know, what I could possibly do for them. And he just genuinely, like, took me under his wing and was like, you know, and I was sitting next to him on the plane and, you know, and it just to see him laugh and he would ask me questions and I'd answer him and he'd just laugh at me. And I would just be like, what? And, you know, it was just he was just a big brother, man. And it's just like it's crazy. Um, and, and his wife, Erica, you know, really, really close to her and my family was close to them as well. And they would come to the game. So, uh, yeah, man, uh, his memory will forever be in me and be with me. So. Thank you, man. Yeah. And yours will as well, man. So and I'll never forget this conversation that we had today, man. But. Hey, look, man, I, T, I appreciate you. Um, appreciate you jumping on with me, man. And, and you know, I know you made your family proud. And obviously you created something in, in a legacy that will pass on for many generations, you know, not only with your brothers, but your sisters as well. Um, hopefully I was able to do the same with mine, man, but we're just going to keep it keep it moving. Yeah. So when I come out to L.A., though, I'm going to come out yeah, man, you, man. Listen, so. feel free, man. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm here 24-7, man. I'm, I mean, I have my house in Miami, but I'm here. I'm working. Uh, you know, you never know, man. Depending on what I have going on, man, we could give you a role, throw you in something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, in my in my mind, I could do it. You know, like you know what? Because I write poetry, man. I do the whole bit, man. And you know, I'm like, you know, I, I would love to, to check that out. So we'll see. I know uh, you probably know Carrie. Yeah, Rose yeah, yeah. I know Carrie. I played with Carrie for a few um, years in uh in, in New York. Yeah, so I know Carrie was in was is in the acting scene too, and. I know it's a tough beast, man, but if anybody built Thank for it, you, it's you. I appreciate, so. and I appreciate you stuff. having me on the show. Congratulations on everything you're doing post-career. Like I said, I was a big fan of yours. I, mean, I tweeted you after uh, uh, your situation at Clemson uh, because, you know, you were from VA. And anybody I know is from VA, I'm like, yo, like, you know, I'm just – I feel like, you know, we brothers, we family, you know, because it's just a certain weird connection, man. I don't know what it is. Everybody from VA just has a certain type of, like, you know, unspoken language. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 crazy how that sure. works, man. But I was I'm a big fan of yours. I appreciate what you did to represent, you know, Virginia and, and inspiring all the kids from Virginia too, man. So the 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 respect and love is mutual, brother. Thank you for having me on. Of course, man. And you know it's funny about the Virginia deal. So, and obviously, the music scene is heavy, and I, and I know Chubb from Drake's camp, 
And you know, when Pusha T and Drake got into it, you already know what side I was on. I was like, we're gonna go. Oh, you already too, so. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you already, but listen, that was, that was, listen, man, we already knew what that was gonna be anyway. That's why he shut it down. But that's a whole nother conversation. Absolutely. Well, T, I appreciate you, man. Enjoy the evening. And I appreciate you coming up, man. Got you. Thank you. Appreciate you, bro.